Well, happy Easter, essential people. Hey, others may not consider you essential, but I want you to know that God sees you as essential. Wow, that sounded kind of cheesy. <laughs> that sounded, uh, hey, I, you know, I kind of feel like a televangelist already and kind of starting to talk like one now. Uh, but that's the truth, right? I mean, that's the truth behind the crucifixion and the resurrection because God sees all people as essential. That's why he sent Jesus to die in our place so that we can have life. So I hope that whether others may consider you essential, I hope that you know that you are essential. And we're glad that you've joined us in our online Easter services this morning. Again, not ideal, but uh, encouraged that you're gathering in your homes to worship with us. So even though I don't see you in person here, I feel, I feel that you're here and I feel that you're responding and listening. And so I'm glad that you tuned in and my prayers today will be an encouragement for you where whatever state you're in right now, emotionally, spiritually, physically, from all this that's going on, because it is Easter and it is a great day of celebration, but I just wanna be real with you right now, this is really tough. This is a tough time, obviously, and uh, we've been going through this. This is now our fifth Sunday to have worship here on our campus without people. And uh, so it's frustrating and it's uh, not ideal, but we press on. But the reality is we, some of us are struggling like we've never struggled before. You know, this pandemic has been described in all kinds of ways. One I heard was it's just a catastrophic storm that won't go away. It's also an unprecedented storm, one we've never seen before. Some of us have survived tornadoes. Some have survived earthquakes, but we've never seen a global storm like this. And so we don't know how to respond. I mean, this is all new to us, how to respond. What are we hearing? What are we seeing? What's right? What's not? What's this going to be like? We, we may be in the middle of this. We may be towards the end. We just, we just don't know. So there's a lot of unanswered questions across the planet. And so it creates this issue of fear and anxiety. And also, we, we're hearing terminology now that describes wartime. I heard President Trump referred to as a wartime president now, which is interesting when you consider, I guess we're really fighting World War III, but instead of a, a human enemy, we're fighting this virus that has impacted the world, put the world on pause in so many regards. And, and you know, typically in a battle, when you have an enemy coming against you, there's strength in numbers. So you try to mass a military, a bunch of numbers together. But this, we have strength in isolation. They're telling us to separate, stay six feet away from one another, stay sheltered in place. I'm glad you're worshiping in place today, but it's all because of this trying to flatten the curve. It's just a weird, weird experience. And it's a weird way that we fight it, trying to be separate from one another. And I would love to be able to stand here and say, hey, it's over. Today is the last day, but it's not and no telling how long this is gonna continue. So I realize there's a lot of stress and anxiety and fear out there, even by those who follow Christ. And I, I hope that it's getting better, but I, I can't guarantee that. No one's guaranteeing that. We have good days and then we have bad days, two steps forward, three steps back, seems to kind of be the experience behind this whole thing. So I just wanna be real. These are things that are scary. More people will lose their jobs. More people will pass away because of this virus. The, the things that we once held dear and maybe even found security in have been taken away from us, from our jobs, our careers, uh, the economy, even relationships currently have been taken away from us. I mean, we can Zoom one another, but still, it's not like being here in person. This is a bad storm. 
and it's going to have implications well beyond when a cure is discovered for this virus. In fact, I was just, you know, I tried just to look at the news a little bit, not spend a lot of time on it. But uh, as of yesterday, there were 492,000 cases in the United States. We've had almost 19,000 deaths. Uh, the good news, we've seen 22,000 uh, recover from this. But whether you have the virus or not, we've all been impacted by this. And so it, it creates this overall feeling of despair and hopelessness. Uh, seeing stories about where uh, anti-drugs, anti, anti-depressant drugs, anti-anxiety drugs uh, are going through the roof. Alcohol sales are up 55%. People just grasping for something to try to create some sense of calm in the midst of this catastrophic, unprecedented storm. And a lot of people are choosing unhealthy methods to deal with this. And some of you may be right there today. You're just grasping for something to try to find some sense, some peace of calm uh, to experience peace in the midst of this. And the things that you're trying just don't seem to be working. So people are afraid. People are irrational at this time. I still don't get the toilet paper thing. <laughs> why, why are people hoarding toilet paper? I can understand cleaning supplies, but I don't, I don't get the toilet paper thing. So it's just, there's just a lot of weirdness going on, which causes people to react in very weird and different ways. People are panicked. They're getting physically sick over this. They're worried about their future, uh, worried about retirement. Uh, again, a guy shared with me the other day, his 401k is now a 201k. And so I, I would encourage you not to look at that right now. Um, so just, there's all kinds of things that cause fear and panic in our lives. And you know, most likely our world is never going to be the same after this. We're never going to be the same after this. This has devastating, far-reaching effects, but now that I've added to your anxiety, I want, I want to tell you the good news. Because, yes, there's a lot of bad going on, no doubt, and we have to be realistic about that. People are hurting, people are suffering, but, and that's really the story of Easter. This is the day that we celebrate the fact that Jesus came out of the grave. After he died for our sins, he came out of the grave and he is alive. So just try to equate what we're going through right now with our celebration of last week, Holy Week, and today, Easter. If you know anything about Holy Week, that was the worst week in Jesus' life. But Sunday was coming. I've seen that video that people have posted about the description of Friday that Jesus experienced from being arrested and tried and beaten and crown of thorns put on his head, mocked, beard pulled out, tortured, and died and then buried. And, and every time after each scene, it was like, but Sunday is coming. Well, maybe that's a good word for you right now. I mean, we're in the midst of this pandemic, but the, the end is coming. We celebrate Easter today, but Easter happened over 2,000 years ago. Jesus died and rose again. That's why we can find joy and strength uh, to get through this. So just imagining this past week for Jesus, the worst week of his earthly life. And statistics were telling us before last week that last week was going to be the worst week in the United States for this pandemic. And maybe last week was the worst week in your life, worse than you can ever imagine. But I just want to remind you, the, the end of this is coming. In essence, Easter, Sunday is still coming. You may have had a terrible week, but Sunday is coming. And that was the message of Jesus to his disciples. That's the message of Jesus to us. That's the message of the resurrection. 
no matter how bleak things seem, no matter how, de- how desperate they become, Sunday is coming. Jesus is still in control of this. One of the stories, and there are tons of stories we can go to to see where Jesus showed himself strong and showed himself faithful. One of my favorite stories is where Jesus was in a boat with his disciples during a storm and Jesus was asleep. You know, this, this Holy Week, Jesus was trying to prepare his disciples to let them know he was going to be arrested, he was going to be tortured, and he was going to be killed. Not what they thought was going to happen, but he knew what was going to happen. He tried to prepare them, and surely they had enough evidence because they'd walked with him. They'd seen him feed the 5,000. They'd seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. Surely they had enough evidence to go back on and say, Jesus has this one too, and not be afraid. But if you read the story, they were afraid. In fact, the disciples ran away. They ran away to hide for fear that something was going to happen to them too. And so one of the stories that to me would be very vivid in the disciples' mind was the story of Jesus in the storm. And Matthew records this story in Matthew chapter 8. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to open there, Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27, just a few verses that describe an incredible experience with Jesus and his disciples where we learn a lot of principles and a lot of the characteristics of who Jesus is. So this is what Matthew writes. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came upon the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. So one of the things that comes out of this story and is evident for us today that our disciples of Jesus who follow Christ is that Jesus allows us to go through storms. In the first part of chapter 8, Matthew records for us where two men came to Jesus and asked what it would take to follow him. And when he told them what it would take, they rejected him said it wasn't worth it. But these are the disciples that chose the right thing. They chose to follow Jesus, and they find themselves in this storm. Now, Matthew gives us some great words to describe what this storm was like. In the NIV, it says the word furious. This is a translation of the Greek word seismos. That kind of sounds familiar. To a seismos, it means a shaking. So the, the lake was shaking, the sea was shaking, the boat was shaking, the disciples were shaking. Everything around them was shaking in this seismos, this incredible storm. Now we get our word uh, seismology, which is the study of earthquakes. Seismograph is the instrument that measures the intensity of earthquakes. So uh, an earthquake is a great way to describe what was going on here is everything around them was shaking and they were afraid. Water's coming over the edge of the boat. The storm is intense and they think they're going to drown and they're going to die. Matthew uses that word seismos only two other times in his gospel. One is at the crucifixion. When Jesus breathed his last breath, the Bible describes, Matthew describes there was an earthquake that took place and the tombs were open and the dead came out of the tombs. He uses that word seismos to describe the earth shaking. He uses it again at the resurrection. When the stone is rolled away and Jesus comes out of the tomb, there was another earthquake and that's the same word that he uses. So you kind of see the intensity of this moment. These disciples in the boat with Jesus. Then he says it came upon them suddenly. They weren't prepared. They weren't expecting it. Kind of like this pandemic. It seems like overnight, 
Our whole world changed. Well, they experienced this storm suddenly. My wife and I, uh, we used to live in Corpus Christi down on the coast, and we'd have tropical storms and rainstorms like normal, but sometimes we would have hurricanes coming. Now, we never experienced one. They always kind of went a different direction, but we were prepared several times for a hurricane that was coming our way. But the great thing about a hurricane, you have plenty of time to prepare. You have time to board up your house. You have time to gather supplies. You have time to get out of town. This storm happened suddenly. They weren't prepared. They weren't ready for it, and it caught them off guard. And because of all of that, because of the intensity of the storm, because they were not ready for it, the Bible says they were afraid. Now, that had to be a big storm because these guys were fishermen. They spent a lot of time in boats. They'd been through storms before, no doubt. But this one was so intense that they were afraid they were going to die from it. So here they are. Here's picture the scene. The disciples in the boat. The storm comes up suddenly. The waves are crashing over the boat, and Jesus is asleep. The disciples were in the boat because they were following Jesus. That just reminds us that as we follow Christ, it doesn't mean that we are exempt from the storms. It doesn't mean that we are exempt from the pain and suffering of life. We all go through it. We all face the storm. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you are not impacted by this pandemic. He never promises we, wouldn't go through, we won't go through storms, but he promises that he will be with us through it all. That's another significant fact about this story. Jesus is in the boat with them. So in a sense, we're all in this same boat together with this pandemic. And just in this image, Jesus is in this same boat with us. He hasn't abandoned us. He hasn't left us. He's not at a distance watching. He is right here, just like he was with the disciples. So as Christians, we still face fears. Sometimes following Jesus leads us into times that are fearful for us. See, there's beauty in following Jesus, but there's also risk. These disciples were experiencing that risk. Following Jesus is lived out in our day-to-day, normal, regular lives like they were back before this pandemic. But it's also lived out in the horror of the storm, in the horror of the, the sea that is turbulent, that seems to try to pull us under, that we feel like we're going to drown. So what that says to us is it's not the absence of the storms that set separate Christians that set us apart. It's who we find in the storm. That's what sets us apart from the rest of the world. We face the same storms. It's just who we cling to, where we find our hope, where we find our refuge in the storm. That's what separates us. That's what sets us apart and allows us to have peace and joy and confidence in the midst of the storm, regardless of how the storm turns out. These disciples with Jesus had an idea of how it was going to end with Jesus being king and ruler of all of Israel, but it didn't turn out that way. So they were afraid. Just like in the storm, they were afraid and they did the right thing. They ran to Jesus and asked Jesus to save them. They wake him up and when they find him, he is dead asleep. The words here don't mean that he was kind of catnapping. He, he was snoring. I mean, he's snoozing away in the midst of the storm. I don't know about you. I have a hard time sleeping during violent storms. Last night at 5 o'clock, I heard the thunder rolling through the skies, and it woke me up, and it was kind of hard to go back to sleep. Now, Robin and I have this sound machine next to the bed that 
one of the features is a storm feature, and it's a thunderstorm, but the thunder's off in a distance. You can just barely hear it. You can hear the rain kind of hitting on the ground, and it's peaceful and relaxing. Well, that's not what these guys were facing. This was a storm that made them fearful for their lives, and Jesus is asleep in the boat, which is still amazing to me that he could sleep through all of this. And so they wake him up, and Jesus' first words were, you of little faith, why are you afraid? Seems like maybe Jesus was a little ticked off that they woke him up. But his response is interesting, right? You of little faith, why are you afraid? Which I would imagine the disciples would, what do you mean, why are we afraid? Are you not aware of the storm? Do you not see the waves crashing over the boat? Do you not see the lightning, hear the thunder? What do you mean, why are we afraid? Shouldn't you be afraid? But he wasn't. He's at peace. He's calm. He's asleep. And he asked them, why are you afraid? So many times we see Jesus approaching people and he says, do not be afraid. But to his disciples, he says, why are you afraid? Almost like, haven't you guys learned by now? Don't you guys understand who I am by now? Haven't you seen enough evidence to know there's no reason for you to be afraid? I think that speaks to us today in this pandemic. As we battle fear, stress, and anxiety, I think Jesus is saying to us, why are you afraid? Have you not seen enough evidence? Have I not proved myself to you enough to show that there's no reason for you to be afraid? That this is temporary, this will pass, and I am here. I'm right here with you. Hey, life comes with fears. Now, there's a healthy fear. There's a healthy fear when we put on our seatbelt, when we get in the car to keep us safe if we're in an accident. There's healthy fear right now to make us wear masks when we're out in public or wash our hands for 20 seconds or put on hand sanitizer. There's a healthy fear that causes us to react in a positive way, but there's also fear that is paralyzing, debilitating. And this is the fear that Jesus is dealing with. You know, as Christians, we should be cautious. We should wash our hands. We should put on hand sanitizer. We should separate ourselves. We should obey the laws and restrictions that are being handed down to try to flatten this curve. We can be cautious, but we don't have to be fearful. And the truth is, hey, fear is going to come knocking on our door. We just don't have to open the door. The word that Matthew is using here means we don't have to have a posture of fear. That's the idea. We don't, we don't, it doesn't have to be a part of our DNA, even though it can be fearful at times. We don't have to give in to it. In fact, mismanagement of fear can actually lead to sin. Because when we're afraid, sometimes, honestly, we exclude God from it. Rather than running to him like the disciples did in the boat, we run away from him or blame him or try to analyze him of why this is happening. When the right response, even without the answers to our question, is to return to Jesus. Because when we don't include him, we have a tendency to turn to the wrong things to try to find peace, like many are doing today, and that just compounds the problem. But if we will turn to Jesus, to trust in him and believe in him, we will find peace. He said to the disciples, you have little faith. So they had faith. It just wasn't working for them right then. They had faith, but it wasn't functioning properly. So in this moment, in the midst of this storm, Jesus is about to show them who he is. And his desire is that they act upon this new knowledge, this new understanding of who Jesus is. See, truth faith 
True faith enables us to trust God even when things look bad. True faith, and and let's face it, this takes faith to get through this. Faith is required to endure this pandemic. Faith in God, though we may not be able to see all that he's doing, we have faith that he is working. There are good things going on. Today, we just heard in our first, at our 930 service, someone gave their life to Christ online through one of our live streams. Good things are happening all around. At least one person became a Christian today. Hopefully thousands, maybe millions more. But there is plenty of good, but true faith helps us to trust God even when we can't see the good and everything looks bad. Hebrews 11.1, just want to remind you the definition of faith. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. I wonder how many of us will be commended for our faith during this storm. It requires faith to understand that this suffering is temporary, but also to know it's not meaningless. There's a purpose behind this. It's not a waste of our time. It's not a waste of our experience. Jesus always redeems whatever he allows. He's allowed us to go through the storm, and he's redeeming us. He's redeeming things. There's good coming out of this, even though sometimes we don't always see it. We definitely don't hear about it on the news a lot. So the disciples ask Jesus to save them, and you know what? He does. Whenever we ask Jesus to save us, he always does. That is always his response. And so he gets up, and he gets to the edge of the boat, and he speaks. He tells the wind and the waves to chill out, and they do. Immediately, things become calm, which is a miracle in itself, obviously. But the fact that the sea, with all the wind and the waves that would you would think would continue for several more minutes, are now at peace, everything. Because Jesus spoke, everything is calm. The power of God, honestly, though, is not necessarily seen in the removing of bad things. The power of God often is seen in building something good in the world. In other words, with this pandemic, most likely it's not going to end today. Most likely it's not going to end tomorrow, but that's not the only way to see the power of God. We can see the power of God because good things are happening. People today are giving their lives to Christ. Churches now, you know, we would expect 2,500 to 3,000 people on our campus today. We may have three times that many tuning in online, four, five times. Churches all across the country, across the world, are reporting record numbers of people tuning in, people who'd never thought about church before, never tuned in, definitely wouldn't come on Easter to a building. But they're tuning in online to see a church. There's good happening all around us. This shows the power of God, and he is empowering us to build good things in the midst of this storm. This story also shows us that Jesus has authority over nature. He has authority over pandemics. He has authority over viruses. He has authority over all things. Jesus has all authority. And the story says they were amazed. The men, the disciples, they were amazed. Now the word that Matthew uses here means they didn't fully grasp all that Jesus was. They didn't make the connection that only God can stop a storm, but they noticed there was something different about this guy. And so they asked the question, what kind of man is this? That even the wind and the waves obey. And they've, they've not seen anything to this extreme before. 
what kind of man is this? This is a man that has conquered death. This is a man who is the way maker. Even when we can't see a way, he is making a way. This is the man who is constantly faithful, who never abandons us, who never gives up on us. This is, this is the one that reminds us that this storm doesn't have the final word. That storm that Jesus and his disciples faced did not have, have the final word. It did not destroy them. The storms in our life, the storm that we're going through right now, it doesn't have the final word. God's peace does. God's peace, God's authority is complete. It is overall. The Bible shows us that this Jesus, he is unchangeable. He sees, he hears, and he cares. Please know that. He sees you right where you are. He knows what you're going through, what you're experiencing, even though you can't put it into words necessarily. And he cares. He cares about how you're responding. He cares how this is impacting you. He cares that you lost your job. He cares that you're fearful about your health. He's, he cares that your plans have changed. He cares. And he is all-powerful and he is all-loving. And he is always good. And his plans are always better than ours. And we can trust him and believe him. And, and even if we don't handle this right, and even as a Christ follower, a disciple of Jesus, when I panic and I get fearful and I start looking at my circumstances and I take my eyes off of him, he doesn't stop loving me. He doesn't remove my salvation if I don't do it right. He is continually saving me every day in every experience. And then he reminds us if we are Christ followers and our faith and trust is in him, then he intends for us to help people. One of the ways it brings peace into our lives is that we help others. And one of the ways that we help is we tell them about Jesus. We tell them the message of hope. I want to read for you 2 Corinthians verses, chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, 16 through 18, where Paul reiterates this. He gives us words of confidence. Maybe you want to memorize this. This is a powerful passage. He writes, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and our momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, just like this pandemic. But what is unseen, our God, is eternal. This is how we cannot lose heart. Because the suffering that we're going through right now does not even begin to compare to the glories we will experience with God. I hope that encourages you. I hope that brings a sense of peace. Because this is bad, no doubt. But it doesn't even compare to the good that we experience through God, through Christ. So I want to challenge you today. As you're there with your home, maybe you want to discuss this. Write this out. What do you know about Jesus right now? We don't know how long this thing's going to go. We don't know the, the ramifications, the impact, the full impact of this pandemic. But we do know Jesus. 
What do you know about Jesus? Write those things out. Discuss those and let those bring peace. These things, these truths about Jesus will help us to get through this storm. And I would say to you, if you're out there today and you don't know Jesus personally, you've never come to the point in your life that you've asked Jesus to take control, to be the leader and the forgiver of your life, you can do that today. What a great day on an Easter Sunday in the middle of a pandemic to give Jesus control of your life. And he will bring peace and joy and confidence to endure this storm. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I, I need you. I know that I'm a sinner. I know I've tried to do things my way. And I want to turn from all of that. And I want to follow you. Just like these disciples, I want to follow you. Because I know that you will be the peace in my storm. Even after this pandemic. The storm that's raging in your mind, the storm that's raging in your heart about the meaning of life, the purpose of life, why you're here, what's next, all that you'll find in Christ. So I encourage you just to pray this simple prayer. Lord, come into my life. Jesus, I, I give you control to be the leader and the forgiver of my life. Forgive me of my sins and take control. I invite you into my life. If you pray a prayer like that, the promise of Jesus is he will take control. He will bring calm and he will bring peace he might not change the circumstances but you get to have peace in the midst of the storm and if you did that today if you prayed that prayer for the first time or something like it or if you do that later today let us know go on Facebook let us know what you did send us a text send us an email call the office let us know we'd love to celebrate with you this change that you just experienced and we'd love to tell you what's next so I want to pray for us, and we'll continue to worship. Father, thank you. Thank you for this storm. <laughs> Sounds weird to say, but we can only say it because our confidence is in you. We don't know all the details, and things are going to continue to change, and they may even get worse than they have so far. But we don't have to fear. I pray we hear your words today. Why are you afraid? And to be honest, Jesus, you've shown us enough to remind us we don't have to be afraid, to give us the evidence that we don't need to fear this pandemic. We don't even have to fear death because you conquered it too. Just as we know you will conquer this virus, this thing will end, we'll find a cure, and eventually life will go on, but death, that's the big one. But you conquered it too. As we think about that, on this Easter Sunday, Jesus, we are filled with confidence to know that you will get us through, and we are thankful that you are in this boat with us. So, Father, I would pray that the message of Jesus Christ is spread to the ends of the earth today. With the thousands, millions more that are gathering online for worship, maybe that have never seen a service online, never connected with a church online, today would be the day they accept the truth of who Jesus is and ask Jesus to take control. God, thank you for how you're going to use this pandemic to strengthen your church, to draw people to you, to share the message of Jesus. We look forward to seeing the immeasurable amount of how you redeem this time. 
Fill us with hope, love, and joy through your spirit. In Jesus Christ, I pray this prayer. Amen.